This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Savior, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have a classic episode for you about spam. Mm-hmm. It was a fun one. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, fun, fun and there's a there's a lot of killjoy in the history section, but, uh, but otherwise, uh, other than the labor practices, delightful. Yeah. The festival I remember fondly. Yeah, um, sure. Yes. And as I've mentioned recently, I have spam currently. I've uh, made spam masubi a couple of times. I feel like I'm oh, getting right. it down. Yeah. It's like not hard, but it's not the easiest thing either. Sure. Um, well, the correct rice texture can be tricky. And oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I... That would be a whole other thing. But it is delicious. And I do have some. I'm, I'm intending to make some again soon because I have Ooh. had a craving for it lately. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also have a can. I've been kind of putting off going like, oh, I'm going to have a day when I'm going to really want that. So, um, yes. Yeah. And how far we have come since mm-hmm. uh, March of 2018 when this episode originally aired because I don't think you had ever knowingly had spam at that point. And... <sighs> You know, since then, um, you know, we we went to Hawaii. Um, we discussed it in our holiday marketing bonus <laughs> this <Yep>. past December. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you've made your own spam masubi, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, while we were out in 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 Hawaii, we definitely had some spam. I think spam masubi was one of the very first things that you had on the island. Oh yeah, I mean, it was a very like we got to the hotel and we saw a convenience store and we were all like. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> right <laughs> now. That was one of the things they offered there, which was yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely at least one plate of Loco Moco was consumed. Oh, at least. Huh. I think several, but at least one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> um, And furthermore, like, 
like so many of y'all after this episode originally aired wrote in I mean, like physically sometimes about spam along with some like spam postcards and various weird merchandise and trinkets. I this one sparked some enthusiasm. It certainly did. (laughs) Um, And in fact, this is probably this is probably largely related to the job that we do. I just got a Google update alert that was like, hey. Spam is cool again. I was like, (laughs) all right. Okay. (laughs) I don't know that it wasn't cool for some people, but all right. Sure. Sure. Cool. (laughs) All right. I was good for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Sure. I will say that spam sales have spiked or I mean, did did spike during the early pandemic. Uh, They were up about 28% uh, by September of 2020. I think that's versus the previous year. And it was not just a pandemic fluke, like perhaps as a as a larger economic trend and probably a negative sign of the times. Uh, by the end of 2021, spam sales had been rising and like rising at record rates for seven years in a row. Wow. Yeah. Again, I guess good for spam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for spam. Um, yeah. It might mean that a lot of us are in dire financial straits, but good for spam. Good for spam, which from what we understand has an excellent museum. Um, Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Still have not been, still want to go. Same. Hard same. Yes. Well, (laughs) I guess we should let (laughs) past Annie and Lauren take it away. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about spam. Spam. And not the email kind, although briefly. Yeah, just a little bit about that, but mostly the the canned meat product. Which you probably knew because you're listening to a podcast about food. Probably. I don't know. We could go real AWOL with our our topics. (laughs) We could, and I kind of want to one day. I think we'd get a lot of angry emails, though. I think we would. Um, But so uh, Stuff You Missed in History class already has a whole epic episode about this. They Um, do. If you would like to hear their take on it, and I suspect that you would, you can go listen. Yes. Um, What are are your thoughts, experiences with spam, Lauren? Um, I didn't grow up, like like no one in my family served it to me growing up, but I had a friend um, in college who would, would serve it like like slice, slices of it fried and then stir it into like mac and cheese or something like that. And it's like salty and delicious. <laughs> For her, it was a nostalgia thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get that. I, I get the feeling nostalgia is very much involved in a lot of Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, hugely, yeah. Because, uh, because okay. So, so w- what about you though? Um, I'm not sure I've ever had it. I, I know I took my little brother to a restaurant in San Francisco called Liho Liho Yacht Club, which has a lot of spam items on the menu. So I might have had it, but I've never knowingly had it. Yeah, you've sure. never gotten like, oh man, what I am doing right now is eating spam. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So what is spam? Oh, that's a great question. Isn't it? <laughs> Spam is a canned luncheon meat product. Luncheon meat is the legal term for a cured cooked meat food product oh. uh, that consists of comminuted meat 
plus some reasonable portion of flavorings, preservatives, and binding agents all mixed together and molded into a loaf for slicing and serving. A loaf? A loaf, yes. Uh, common unit, by the way, means like pulverized, as in reduced to fragments. And in the case of Spam, that luncheon meat is made up of... It's a mixture of things of pork meats, modified potato starch, salt, sugar, water, and sodium nitrate for color. Yeah, sodium nitrate is what gives some preserved meats their distinctive pink color. It's also in there for preservation. Spam is shelf-stable. No refrigeration is required as long as the can is sealed. And that can can last years past its best-by date and, like, technically indefinitely. So in the apocalypse... Zombies are about, uh-huh. I'm Spam searching is, for food. Yeah, Spam, it says. Many years date past, but it I'll might, just disregard. It might taste a little bit off, but, <laughs> but I'll never know. But you'll never, never know. Had it. Yeah. Hormel <laughs> says that Spam is like meat with a pause button. Oh, that's kind of creative. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> the recipe for Spam has remained pretty much unchanged since its inception, apart from the addition of that potato starch in 2009 to keep a layer of gelatin from forming on the top when you cook it. Mm-hmm. Just someone who's never had it or seen it, that is so fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The name itself stands for Scientifically Processed Animal Matter. Or perhaps that is just a fun myth. It probably is. Um, because Hormel, the person, not the company, but the company named after Hormel, anyway, he claims it was a combination of spice and ham, the result of a naming contest with a $100 reward. All of these naming contests. I know. I love it. Okay. I haven't heard about any of these. I'd, I'd get in on that. <laughs> the prize winner is said to have been an actor by the name of Kenneth Dagnall, whose brother was once a vice president at Hormel. Hmm. So some nepotism, maybe. Okay. Because at the time, that $100 would have been equivalent to about $1,500. That's nothing to sneeze at. No, certainly not. You can now get Spam of the oven-roasted turkey variety, Spam hot and spicy, Spam light with 50% less fat, Spam with bacon, all right, Spam teriyaki, Spam jalapeno, and Spam spread for all your spreading Spam needs. (laughs) Tongue twisters! Perfect. (laughs) There are two facilities in the U.S. that produce the stuff, Austin, Minnesota, not Texas, and Fremont, Nebraska. And that's it. It is a distinctly and very recognizably American brand slash product. Yes. Uh, Nutrition-wise, Spam is high in protein and low in carbs, but it's also really high in saturated fats. It's almost 80% fat. Ooh. Um... Just a two-ounce serving has about a quarter of your daily recommended intake of fat for a 2,000-calorie-per-day average diet. It's also really high in salt, so if you need to watch those things, I would say to treat Spam as a treat. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Though, hey, if you've ever heard that lunch meats and other preserved meats and even preserved cheeses like American cheese are bad for you because they contain these antimicrobial preservatives like sodium nitrate or sodium nitrite, well, that's... Not actually generally why preserved meats are bad for you. Uh, (laughs) See above, read the salt and fat content. Uh, But uh, studies show that nitrates and nitrites can form other compounds in the body, some of which can cause cancer. But nitrates are common in many leafy greens and our water supply and even in our own bodies. And they might be helpful in preventing heart disease. And you can help prevent them from forming those carcinogenic compounds by eating vitamin C along with them. 
which is why the USDA requires processed meats that use them also include vitamin C in their recipes. Oh, really? And laws in most places prevent very much of them from being used in the first place. So, I mean, like, yeah, like, don't go crazy with the cheese whiz, but, you know, don't worry too much about nitrates or nitrites. Noted. There are two bottles of cheese whiz in our office kitchen. Are there? Why? <laughs> I thought I thought you brought them. Oh, I always oh, assume oh. it's you. <laughs> oh, the spray cheese. No, 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 no. What I'm talking about when I talk about cheese whiz, I talk about um the 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 canned stuff, the jars. There's, so there's a difference between spray cheese and canned cheese. Oh, absolutely. I you have so much to teach me, Lauren. <laughs> I cannot wait to do an episode <laughs> on fake cheese. You have been talking about that for a while, so we, we should get to oh, that one. Okay, all right. Maybe it's going into our into our list today. All right, yes. we'll find out. Anyway, <laughs> since it came onto the food scene in 1937, courtesy of the Hormel Corporation, more than eight billion cans have been sold. While it is an American icon, and I saw it described that way in several articles, I'm not coining that term, it's available in 44 countries around the world. And Hormel licenses the name and recipe to other producers outside of the United States. As of 2017, they estimated that 12.8 cans of Spam are consumed every second across the planet. Every second? Whew. It's fairly cheap, which means during times of economic difficulty, Spam sees an uptick in sales. In the 2008 recession, this equated to a 10% increase in sales. In the U.S., probably no surprise, Hawaii tops the list in spam consumption with an average three pounds per person a year or seven million cans a year for an island with a population of 1.42 million. So you can do some math there if you would like. Uh, McDonald's menus in Hawaii have spam-based products for our McDonald's fact of the episode. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, if you're going to make yourself a quick breakfast, you wouldn't do yourself wrong with the Filipino spamsalog. And apologies, uh, my, my Tagalog is really terrible, so um, so if I'm mispronouncing everything, write in and tell me that I'm a bad person. It's okay. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if y'all could hear that, but that was producer Dylan being, like, terrified for me. I don't, okay, don't don't write in and tell me that I'm a terrible person, but, but uh, you know, feel free to correct me gently. I, I, yes, I, won't, I won't be that's offended. That's acceptable. If you have a, if you want to send in a voice. Anyway, okay, so, so, uh, Spamsalog is a portmanteau for um, a, a dish of garlic fried rice, which is um, sinangag, and a fried egg, uh, a putong itlog, served with slices of pan-fried spam, frequently with a uh, fresh tomato or cucumber on the side. Ooh. So yeah, garlic fried rice, spam slices, fried. Fried egg. Sounds mm-hmm. great. Does. Uh, there are, of course, multiple spam festivals. There are. Of course there are. <laughs> There's the spam jam in Waikiki, with uh, music and tastings from local restaurants and all kinds of anthropomorphic costumed spam characters that you can get your photo taken with. Uh, there's another spam jam in Austin, Minnesota, <laughs> the birthplace of spam, where there's also a spam museum across the river from the main plant where former factory workers are spam ambassadors for visitors. <laughs> we will be talking a bit more about that town um, in a minute, but I've got a lot of questions. Just, I'm just curious, <laughs> like, is the whole town... Spam? I, listeners, please send pictures if you have them. Yeah, it sounds very intense. I. It does. From from what I understand, like the like the business of the town is this Hormel factory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, there's also a uh, another spam festival in um, Islaton, 
Isleton, Isleton, California. I'm so sorry, humans. <laughs> um, but they've got a Spamly Cup cooking competition. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The puns keep rolling in. And, and then, of course, an annual... Uh, there, there are annual spam carving slash sculpting contests in a few places, with a particularly large one in Seattle. Oh, man. Let us, if you've been, send photos. Please. 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 Speaking of uh, spam fandom, spamdom? Oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, there is an English fellow who legally got his name, his middle name changed to I Love Spam. <laughs> his name, therefore, is Mark I Love Spam Benson. He, he got the queen's permission. He got it, the queen's permission? It's on his passport and everything. I mean, did he go up to the queen and said, Your Majesty? I didn't hear what the process was. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2017, he and his wife were married in the Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota. <laughs> she, she said, When his obsession came to light, I had already fallen in love with him. Oh. Hormel financially helped the company. The couple make this whole dream come true and then sent them to the Spam Jam in Waikiki for their honeymoon. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, instances where this middle name thing is going to throw a wrench in some kind of situation. But I hope not. I All the uh, best yeah. for you. Right. I mean, what are, what are his initials now? M-I-L-S-B? Or is it M-I-B? <gasps> Men in black. Okay, I need to focus. I need okay. to refocus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Spam. Yes. Um, a 1945 New Yorker piece on J. Hormel came with this quote from the author. I got the distinct impression that being responsible for spam might be too great a burden on any one man. Huh. Yeah. Hormel allegedly went back and forth between distancing himself and the company from spam and then rushing to its defense. He huh. couldn't decide what his thoughts were. Where on his, this product. Where his heart lay or lied. Oh, I'm doing great today. Um, Yeah. Uh, and, okay, this is clearly a very nostalgic food for a lot of people. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. We're also going to get into some some really upsetting stuff. So that's all great. Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, yeah. let's pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Yay. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... I wanted to start out, it's not related directly to spam, but in 1813, new technology for preserving food by canning was commercialized in England, and one of the first products canned was meat to be sent to the British Navy. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. If we look at spam's history in particular, in 1891, a fellow named George A. Hormel, uh uh-huh, that Hormel, laid the foundation for his first combination meatpacking facility and slaughterhouse in a small town under 12 square miles called Austin, Minnesota. He got his start working in a Chicago slaughterhouse, but he wanted to set out and do his own thing. A decade later, in 1901, George A. Hormel & Co. was officially incorporated, making beef, sausage casings, and whole hogs. And, and Hormel continued working the butchery line himself, splitting the first 100,000 pig carcasses, which Ooh. is apparently one of the more difficult parts of the process. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and back to Austin, Minnesota for a minute. Um, it would go on to be known as Spamtown USA, complete with Spam Boulevard, the Spam Museum, as we've mentioned, and a restaurant called Johnny's Spamarema. Um, and pl- yes, please, we can't reiterate enough. We need to see evidence of this, listeners. You've, you've got to send us pictures. Anyway, back to Hormel. Um, after fighting in World War One, Jay Hormel took over as president of the company in his father's stead in 1929. Jay Hormel wanted to come up with a product that was essentially the home version of canned lunch meats you'd order from deli counters. There is no one person we can point to from Hormel as the inventor of Spam, but we can point to an employee by the name of Julius Zilgit, um, and he did the first test with the 12-ounce can. Along with his team, he figured out that canning the meat in a vacuum kept the product from getting all sweaty, Mm -hmm. which is not a thing you want. Nope, not at all. No. At the time, it was the height of the Great Depression, and the idea was to find a way to use an otherwise unsellable cut of meat, the pork shoulder. The pork in the first iterations of Spam, were this cut. Generally still are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the next few years, there was this rising discontent in the Hormel factory, which came to a head when Jay tried to enforce a 20-cent-per-week employee contribution to this company-wide insurance fund, which the company would also pay into, like at five times that amount, which sounds great until you get to the enforce part. The already frustrated and underpaid employees organized a union and then a strike, In 1933, they shut down plant operations and even the refrigeration system, like millions of dollars worth of meat were on the line. Uh Um, The situation was resolved without even having to call in state-hired militia, which was on the table. And over the next couple years, Jay Hormel got back in good with his employees by offering all these really progressive salary wage systems and profit sharing and merit pay, all leading to pretty good financial success for the company and also him being called a red capitalist by Fortune magazine. (laughs) My brain is like, compliment? Insult? Insult. (laughs) Communism. (laughs) Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Because of the red. Yeah. All right. On July 5th, 1937, Spam hit the grocery store shelves. The name was trademarked earlier that same year, and one of their first slogans was, Colda Hot, 
Spam hits the spot. Love <laughs> very, it. Very crisp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the 1930s, people were familiar with canned meats that didn't need refrigeration. But it was World War II that really catapulted Spam to the public eye, though not necessarily <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Um, when it was one of the brands of canned meats the U.S. military purchased and shipped to the soldiers overseas, both American and allied forces, to the tune of 100 million pounds. Or maybe 100 million cans. Yeah. History. History. According to our very own website, How Stuff Works, not too many soldiers actually were eating the real thing, really spam. More likely they were eating meat the government provided to Hormel and other companies for canning, which just seems unfair to spam in a weird way, but, you know... Um, in 1940, one of the first singing ads was for Spam. And that keep up with the singing is a marketing tactic. After the war, there was a whole radio show called Music with the Hormel Girls. Oh, I'm sure it was a delight. <laughs> um, but the soldiers weren't exactly thrilled with Spam. Uh, to be fair, they were sometimes eating it three meals a day, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of any kind of food to not get a bit tired of it. I would agree. Yes. Hormel kept a scurrilous file of hate mail the company received from American soldiers. Some of their opinions, meatloaf without basic training, <laughs> ham that didn't pass its physical, and the real reason war was hell. Goodness. Yeah, strong, strong words. This is one of the reasons he said it was a lot of responsibility for one man. Ah. It's this hate mail he mm -hmm. was receiving. Margaret Thatcher, though, apparently called it a wartime delicacy. <laughs> I don't know about oh, that, that one. Oh, Thatcher. Oh, Thatcher. Mm. Since Spam had a long shelf life and could survive pretty much anything, though weather threw at it, it made its way to islands that might have trouble otherwise importing food during the war, like England or the Asian Pacific and Hawaii. As the war ended and soldiers returned, they were not about eating any more Spam. Nope. Starting with the 60s, Spam transitioned from the main source of protein to kind of a supporting act, like a sandwich component or with eggs. Mm -hmm. A recipe from the 60s included Spam upside-down pie. Oh, my brain was trying to imagine that as I was saying it, <laughs> and it was not good. Not good. But this wasn't the case everywhere. No, the Asian Pacific and Hawaii experienced the opposite as Spam rose in popularity after the war. This was in part because of sanctions the U.S. government put on fishing industries that were largely owned by Japanese Americans. Ah. With fish off the menu, Hawaiians turned to spam. For starving Japanese and Koreans, spam included in aid packages could very well have been a lifesaver. During the Korean War, soldiers likely consumed something called army stew, which was a simmered broth of canned meats like spam and spices. To this day, Korea is Spam's second largest market. It's even given as a gift during Lunar New Year. I, I, we didn't run across that in our no. Lunar New Year research, but uh, that's very, very interesting. Yes. Spam got a culinary boost as Koreans and Japanese immigrated to Hawaii after World War II and the fusion of cu cuisine's birth dishes like Lokomoko. The billionth can of Spam was sold in 1959. And that brings us to... A pop culture phenomenon? What's a what's a good word for it, Lauren? Paradigm shift? I'm not, <laughs> it's okay. So in 1970, Monty Python's Flying Circus debuted their spam sketch with Vikings in a cafe because Monty Python drowning out the customers and owners' voices with their song about spam. Lovely spam. Lovely spam. And the end credits for the episode include Spam with every company member, including Spam Terry Jones and Terry Spam Sausage Spam Egg Spam Gilliam. 
Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this skit is pretty much where the term spam in context to email comes from. Mm, oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, it's the, the spam email. It's omnipresent. It has no appreciable content. Uh, yeah. It drowns out other voices. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Horbell is not really excited about this association. No. I think they they tried to find a way to legally do something about it. I don't know. I remember reading an article where they were pursuing solutions <laughs> of some yeah. sort. But Sorry about it, Hormel. Yeah. I, I mean, if it's any consolation, which I'm sure it's not, I don't think of, like... I don't associate the two. Yeah. Like, they mean such different things yeah. in my brain. That, yeah. That's just me, maybe. Yeah. And that brings us to 1985 and another strike at the Hormel plant in Austin, Minnesota. Over the 60s and 70s, employee satisfaction had been on the rise. Uh, but this article that I read about the, the 1933 strike ended this way. Most workers in the prospering Hormel company in the 1960s and 70s who remembered or read about the history of their union concluded that the hard times were behind them. They should be forgiven for entertaining that illusion. That does not sound good. Nope. By 1975, the company had fallen out of the Hormel family's hands, and the new leadership was not as great. Um, they they were using the promise of building this new state-of-the-art labor conditions improving plant to kind of let the union let them destroy worker benefits, especially oh. for the butchery end of the business. And Hormel enacted a 23% wage drop on top of that. Starting in August of 1985, the union workers walked out and stayed out for 13 months. Uh, National Guard had to be called in to protect workers who crossed the picket lines and to break up roadblocks. Wow. Eventually, the national union that had been supporting this local branch dropped them, thus effectively ending the strike. Uh, the company was able to hire people back at just a penny per hour more than that 23% wage drop rate and would begin hiring a lot of immigrants with perhaps less than scrupulously checked documentation who were willing to work for those lower wages. Uh, in 1987, Hormel leased off the butchery side of its Austin plant to a third-party company. Or a third party on paper, anyway. Oh. The new company was Quality Pork Processors Incorporated, which exclusively purchased Hormel-owned hogs and exclusively sold the processed meat back to Hormel, all using the space and the machines that currently belonged to Hormel and were housed in the same plant. Right. Um, this led to another year-long strike, but the union eventually settled. And as subcontractors, uh, QPP could hire a workforce at lower wages than those that Hormel had furnished to their unionized workers. In 1991, the first Spam Museum opened in Austin. Uh-huh. It would be revamped in 2001 and 2016. Oh, yeah, and in 1995, Spam sponsored a car in the NASCAR Winston Cup series. A couple of years later, in 1998, the Smithsonian received a Spam 10 donation. During the recession in the 2000 aughts, Spam sales and production increased, with employees being offered as much overtime as they could handle. Spam, spam has been called an economic indicator, as we mentioned earlier, for its predictable increase in sales during rough financial times. Right. And this production increase led to a really tragic series of nerve damage-related disabilities in QPP butcher workers. This was actually sort of a landmark medical discovery. I, I remember reading about it during a previous gig, copy-editing medical journal articles. But yes, 
Well, welcome again to Lauren's Killjoy Corner. Yay! Okay, so the way that large-scale pig butchering works is that different parts of the animal would be dealt with by skilled workers and or particular machinery in different rooms. All parts of the meat are separated from the bones for use. Everything on the pig is edible. The brain, which is uh, shipped to Asia for use as a thickening agent, used to be removed from the skull cavity with uh, this high-pressure jet of water, which sort of liquefies the tissues that it can be collected. Part of that liquid sort of aerosolizes due to the high pressure used in getting it out, and uh, the workers in that part of the factory, the, the, the head part, would breathe in a whole bunch of it. And more of it, more and more of it, as the line speed increased from handling 900 heads per hour in 1996 to 1,350 per hour in 2006. And, okay, when you, when you breathe in foreign particles that your body's like, this doesn't belong here, right. um, your, your immune system, the workers' immune systems were doing what they were supposed to do. They, they were attacking the particles and remembering to attack similar particles later. Unfortunately, human nerve cells and pig nerve cells are similar enough that these workers started developing an autoimmune condition where their immune system was attacking their own nerves, causing eventual loss of fine motor skills and fatigue and other sometimes permanent symptoms. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It sucks. (laughs) Uh, And QPP working, again, inside the Hormel facility, but without Hormel's better worker compensation and protection packages, did not really handle it well. Um, They did stop harvesting brains, but evidence collected for an expose in Mother Jones suggests that they silenced the injured workers by threatening their jobs or their immigration status. And then... Oh, boy, it keeps going, huh? It does. In 2015, QPP was embroiled in an animal cruelty scandal when a video of poor conditions on the killing floor was leaked, apparently by employees. Um, The Food Safety and Inspection Services... Administration also collected evidence that the space was not in compliance with federal regulations. However, neither the county nor the USDA took further action, and in 2017, a state court denied an advocacy group a search warrant of the QPP facilities on the grounds that their leads were too old. Leads were too old. Yeah. This is ongoing, but... As of 2017, there were a bunch of headlines about spam making like a trendy comeback with Posh chefs that are tapping into that fun feeling of nostalgia. <laughs> Isn't nostalgia great? I love I love nostalgia. <laughs> it's my favorite. Well, that's um, the end of Lauren's Killjoy Corner for now. <laughs> yes. So we we're, we still have some more science to talk about. We do, and that part's kind of great. Yes. Yay. But first, one last quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! (laughs) 
give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Um, So... Spam, for all of those other things that I just said, is an amazing edible science experiment. In order to create a stable loaf cheaply and consistently, you, as Annie said earlier, mix the meat in a vacuum, vacuum seal it into cans, and then you cook the whole cans. Wait, you cook it in the can? You cook it in the can. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, the meat, if you don't do it in, in, in that way, the meat will break down during cooking and you're left with just this small loaf and a lot of, like, juice and or gelatin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but before you even get there, you've got to find a way to prepare the meat. Uh, Spam uses shoulder meat mixed with a little buttock slash thigh meat that might be cured and flavored, otherwise known as ham. Yep. The shoulder meat is inexpensive because it's such a pain in the ham to debone. <laughs> um, Hormel does it by putting the shoulders through a hydraulic press that squeezes the meat off the bone. Ooh. The meat is ground and measured for fat consistency, then mixed with the other ingredients in thousand-pound batches. Cannot comprehend. Nope. <laughs> uh, the cans are then cooked in a hydrostatic cooker, which is, it's so cool. Uh, or it's hot first, but then cool. Um, uh, <laughs> it consists of at least four towers that are stacked vertically and kind of bring cans up and then down. In, in this sort of, like, like half loop. Okay, so, so you've got four towers, at least. You've got a steam tower that holds pressurized, saturated steam at the temperature that you want to cook the, the cans at. Then you've got two warm water-filled towers on either end of the steam tower, which brings your cans up near to cooking temperature and then back down out of it. And also, this is the cool part, keeps the steam tower pressurized at the same time. Physics! Ah! <laughs> Then you've got a cooling tower that uses uh, cool water sprays to bring the cans safely back to, like, processing temperature. Setups can also have uh, preheating and multiple cooking and cooling towers or sections, and I'm not totally positive what Hormel uses. It says their setup has 11 chambers that the cans move vertically through, with the whole thing being six stories tall and capable of processing 66,000 cans over the span of two hours. Mm. <laughs> My brain... <laughs> I don't know how much more it can take, Lauren. After after it comes uh, out of that process, the cans are labeled, packed, and eventually shipped out. That is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah this this is another this is another episode that I was like, oh oh, this is oh I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I can buy that product anymore. Yeah, but I really want to try Locomoco. This is the challenge. This, yeah, I wonder if there's a different. I mean, there there are plenty. There are definitely plenty of uh, like canned meat products out there. It's it's all about I mean you know find, finding someone that does something more more ethically hopefully uh, and I, I guess that's kind of like the 
like slightly feel good takeaway lesson of this. Like when something is that cheap, there is a cost somewhere. Yes. To someone. Yeah. And so. Our uh, coworker, Ben Bolin, wrote an excellent short story. It's published somewhere. I can't recall where, but it, I think it's some Southern writing magazine. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, I just remember it so well because um, it was all about a consumer just reaching for an orange. But he was telling it based on, like, the consumers reaching for the orange. And then it was sort of the, what went into getting that oh, orange wow. to you. Uh-huh. And it, he was describing just, like, the, the working conditions and the death that it took to— And you were making a choice based on price. But on the other side of it, there's all there's of this all of stuff. This. Yeah. And it stuck with me. I read it years ago, and I still think about oh, it. Oh, wow. It's very good. Um, maybe maybe we can ask him, and we can post it somewhere. Yeah, we'll see about that. And before we close out this episode, I have two notes, Lauren. Okay. Okay, the first is, mid-episode, we had kind of a, a crisis, a foodstuff crisis, where we realized we're not entirely sure how to pronounce Hormel. Yeah, I thought that I read somewhere during our research that it's Hormel. Mm-hmm. And wait, am I still saying that the same way? I think you said Hormel. Hormel. Yeah. Yeah. But we've been saying Hormel. Anyway, we, we, we recovered and soldiered on because we found <laughs> no evidence to suggest otherwise. But we did have a mini crisis. Yeah. And um, the other thing is I uh, another mini crisis I realized is we should have introduced ourselves with spam names. <laughs> and I'm not willing to go back and re-record the intro, but I should have said Lauren Vogel spam. <laughs> My name doesn't really lend itself as well. but <laughs> Spammy Reese? Spammy Reese. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I can dig it. I sure. Can, I can dig it. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. And oh, yeah. yes, if you have any, I mean, we both have some spam. So. Oh, yeah. If you have a recipe that absolutely needs our attention, please yes. send it in. Yes. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> You can do that at hello at saverpod.com, which is our email. Uh-huh. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.